ready to explore the extraordinary world of tech. Welcome to the XTech Podcast, where we connect you with the sharpest minds and leading voices in the global tech community. Join us as we cut through the complexity to give you a clear picture of the ideas, innovations, and insight that are shaping our future. Hello, and welcome to the X Tech Podcast by Fox Agency. I'm your host, Debbie Forster, MBE. I'm the CEO at the Tech Talent Charter and an advocate and campaigner for diversity, inclusion, and innovation in the tech industry. So today, I'm thrilled to be joined by the VP of Trailhead and the EMEA ecosystem for Salesforce, Stuart Mills. Stuart, welcome. Great to be here, Debbie. Okay, so Stuart, for our listeners, um, we really like to understand how you got where we are. You know, there are some of us that wake up and instantly we're the proto-geek and want to be intact. Others go through more winding ways to get here. So how did you get into tech and get here today? Gosh, it's a small question to start us off, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> a winding path is probably closer to my trajectory in that way. Although when I think back and I look back, I always think that well, I started being really interested in technology in the broadest sense and how things are made, particularly for me, engineering from a very, very young age. Did primary school in Kenya. And I remember both being fascinated as Lego as a toy and the young children around me in all sorts of different situations making things from anything. You know, coat hangers and coat cans can be an amazing sort of aircraft. So that sort of journey sort of started early with those sorts of things, but um, went into the Navy and spent some time there as an aero engineering officer and and then sort of a winding path through all sorts of different things. Technology is sort of defined it in working at Salesforce now in sort of IT and technology for me started what, sort of 15 years ago, I suppose, where I discovered the Salesforce technologies and how they could help the business that I was helped running at the time and to do things better. And it was sort of, okay, oh, this is interesting. And there was some of the engineer in me that came out quite early and when I was doing some sales and marketing leadership roles. And that career sort of evolved from there into, I suppose, today where I lead this incredible effort that we have around trailheads and ecosystem around helping people into jobs in technology and trying to understand how, how to do that best. So sort of all sorts of different bits, I guess. And it's interesting, you know, I've not had someone on the show talk about coming from the Navy, and that's not necessarily where we picture technology coming together. Is Did you feel that buzz even then? Yeah, you know, I think I did. I joined the Navy as an, an engineer. So, um, you know, I, I studied engineering and, and joined and then became an air engineer and, and sort of spent a little bit of time doing that. I didn't spend long in the in the forces. It was very much that in order to do something, you needed technology around you. You need, you know, in my case, aircraft. And those were the technology of that time. So it's like, you know, I'd done a lot around technology in its impact in the world. And I suppose that was, you know, in order to deliver on the mission of the Royal Navy, you needed the technology of ships and aircraft and, and all of those pieces. So it's very much a sort of technical role. And, uh, you know, my first attraction to the Navy was actually going to something called the Royal Tournament back in the day. And, oh, you do engineering in the Navy, and that's the sea, which I am fascinated by that combination. So it was very much about all of those things. And, you know, I learned lessons. We, we do work today with veterans of the forces in all sorts of different contexts. And actually, there's lots of disciplines and things that are relevant to people working in technology. And I still go back to those days um, in various leadership lessons I had that I apply. So all built from, from that place. 
in the Navy, technology, you know, I don't, I don't always do the join it, but there's some aspect of that that sort of resonated and started taking you where you are today. Yeah, you know, I think that I work in learning and development now around how people use and develop and build technologies and even own technologies. And it's been a big observation of my life that just been that in order for technology to add value, people need to embrace it and understand it. And actually, technology only exists for the benefits of humanity and to make our lives a better place. And, you know, I think of some of the lessons that I had along the way. And back in my days in the Navy, I remember a story of uh, on an aircraft carrier where a pilot got absolutely furious with a set of things going on and ended up kicking their helmet off the ship and into the sea. You know, it was <laughs> rather a dramatic thing and um, there was various trouble caused by all of these events. Um, <laughs> but it was a real, you know, sort of, you could imagine, I can still picture it today. And it was a real lesson for me that in order for that aircraft to be in the air doing its job, the pilot needed to be understand exactly how to work with that aircraft. And unless they were the synthesis of the two things together, then you didn't get what you needed out of the technology and neither did you get what the pilot's job was out of them. And so there was a sort of technology and the, the people that use it, own it and, and build it is a sort of two sides of the same coin, a yin and yang, if you like, um, which was very visible there that, you know, that mission couldn't have been delivered in that. But also people get really fed up and there's a whole set of conversations about fed up with technology. There's a, there is that feeling because I have images and I think actually people, when you want to shake that printer, <laughs> that screen, that laptop, it would be actually deeply satisfying to no. fling it into the ocean. But we, we don't get that opportunity quite as often. And it would be frowned on. It's the big off button, you know, maybe is a softer approach. <laughs> you know, this <laughs> off and on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, you know, when I hear that you brought that into Salesforce, that this is... You, you went, and there's lots of things, you know, this is planet uh, Salesforce we're talking about, but you really had that bit on focusing on, on people and digitization. How did, how did that come about when you got to Salesforce? Yeah, you know, but I guess my experience with Salesforce and, and sort of tech as a time, it started with finding the technology and buying it for the companies I worked for before Salesforce, it was two organizations where we were using the technology to deliver on a mission. And it was mainly about really being able to understand sales, marketing, commerce in a deeper way, and therefore being able to get better at it. Well, the people who needed to get better at it, but they were being enabled by the technologies. And it was an observation. I was in business leadership roles in the, in those organizations. And so when the opportunity came to join Salesforce sort of 10 years in, it was to come in as a consultant and to help other organizations embrace the technology and how it could add value to, to their organizations. And, you know, I joined and within a few weeks, I was flown into a sort of a red project. So it was a customer who's really struggling with the mission uh, that they were on with, with our tech. And I was asked to try and see if I could fix it. And it was obvious within hours of arrival at this customer that the key issue was the dynamic between the team that were using and building the technology. And there was something quite inherently disconnected about them from how the technology, it was nothing to do with, I mean, there were technical issues, there were all sorts of different things to do there. But the fundamental bit was if I could work on enabling the team and help them understand how to leverage this technology for the best, then the implementation in that particular case or the use case would get better. And, and you know, we often focus on the technology and blame the technology in a way, just like your example of the printer a few minutes ago. You sort of, if you blame that, that technology, you're not going to get the thing out. It's a system. The whole thing's connected together. And so, you know, after a few years of consulting and then the opportunity came to, to do this role that I do now was to really focus on the people side and the enablement around capacity, capability, and even some of the cultural elements that are needed to enable people to use technology brilliantly 
because um, if you do get the two together, and this has been my observation, then you get the most out of everything. You know, technology adds value to us humans, and uh, which is meant to be its purpose. And the technology itself improves and gets better in doing that. That really resonates with me. And it's so often left out. You know, when we're specking big projects or like you, when we're coming into projects that are going into amber, going into red, we our first focus is on what's wrong with the technology. You know, what are the bugs we're trying to fix? I love those three C's, that capability, the capacity and the culture that rarely rises up on the radar with some teams, with some projects. Do you see that often? I mean, I don't, I see that as a problem. People, that is the last thing that people are trying to do when they're working diagnostically. Is that what you were saying? It's a differentiator. I mean, it's a problem, yes, absolutely. But it's a differentiator. You know, if, you, if I observe the businesses who get it, who grab hold of this and go, right, and, and, you know, this is a lesson of leadership. If you are going to be a great leader, you are serving your teams and you are enabling them to have the capability, skills, development, the capacity, we all manage resources. And then you set a culture and a standard by which those people step into that space to deliver on something. So for me, it's a, it is a problem often ignored and too many businesses are driven by numbers only and looking at very simple spreadsheet views of the world and not really getting into leading something. You know, I've learned this in the Navy. You don't lead by numbers. You lead by inspiring sailors, in my case, to step forward and do the thing they, they can do. And, it, and that's where I see this. It is a, it's incredible how many organizations do ignore this. And um, there's lessons in that, you know, sort of how do you lead change and how do you make change stick, if you like, is is by embracing these sorts of conversations that we're having now. And I think that's that's huge because when I have heard about these terrible projects going wrong, there are times when they will see, oh, and people were the problem. But it's a very in-stopped way of talking about it, isn't it? People were the problem, as if that is that is an immutable thing. Just get rid of them or it's never going to be fixed. The way in which you're talking about unpacking that as a leadership issue and bring it through creates a real growth mindset, isn't it, about changing. And if you can build it in one project, you'll reap the benefits in others. But that's not often what we ask of our tech leaders. It isn't, no. I mean, I mean, there's a bit of this, which is that you've got to be willing to learn and be iterative, which is a critical in this, is that, you know, there's real comfort, I think, in simplicity. And you sort of, uh, leaders will sort of say, I, I want to do this first, and I want to see this result, and then move on to there. The problem is that life is not simple, and the world is getting more complicated, probably not less, right? So um, it's a bit of a naive point when you're managing a whole and complex programs. And digital transformation is sort of today's and the, you know, the past 10, 20 years' latest complexity is the thing that we're working ourselves through. It's always been true, though, complex projects um, don't often deliver the results that were predicted at the beginning. So we're sort of living in that. So you have to, and thinking through this as a system, if you, yes, you buy a technology like Salesforce to solve for the, or deliver on the opportunity that you've got. Say, let's improvement of sales is your target or something like that. You book, okay, right. Let me go buy Salesforce's technology. Well, you've got to think, well, how do you sell things today? You know, you sell things by people being brilliant at sales and having customers who are, brilliant buyers in a sort of bizarre way, but that's a truth that you see from sort of the Amazon world we live in, et cetera, today. So you've got this system of the things interacting together. So if you just said, okay, I'll plug this thing in and it'll do what I expect. Hmm. You know, there, there aren't that many things. So you've got to think of the whole system of change. So if you think of buying a technology, the way I think of that is you'll think about who's owning the technology, i.e. 
I bought it to improve sales. So they're the owners. Who's building it? Who's actually going, I've got this thing. Now I need to adapt it to configure it into what I need for it. And then there's the use of the system and you've got the users. So if you think of those three different roles and then the technology itself, then you've kind of got it all and you can start to work out how do those things work together and how do you inspire people to sort of learn their way into something that's new because that's the other dynamic. And I think that is key, isn't it? It, It's the understanding the people aspect and the impact we can have and the shift and changes. When we're talking about people, we're not talking about finite, permanent resource. We're talking about something we can shape and change and build and, and, and evolve as we go on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you pick up at a good point in there, which is that the technologies of today are usable by people in ways that, you know, the engineering of an aircraft back to go back then, there was a lot of people involved. Not one individual could say, I built that aircraft. It was, you know, there's a complexity to it to adapt it. Whereas today's technologies, you you can buy Salesforce off the shelf. One person, spin it up in an hour, you'll be using it to do your your business a bit better. And that's different, right? Because, and so it brings people back into this in a way that perhaps aircraft feels like you, you don't necessarily need to understand each individual, if that makes sense. Trailhead is part of solving that problem, isn't it? Can you walk me through that? I think it was 2014 where Trailhead formally got launched. I mean, Salesforce is 23 plus years old now. And it's always been true that we've been trying to share the way that you make the most of this technology and make it as accessible as possible. Um, You know, as we've grown up, as the world has got more complex in different ways, there is more complexity to Salesforce's stack today than there was back at the beginning. But we've always sort of shared this accessibility and try to convinced that you want to configure things first and then code second, for example, is um, low code, no code would be another terminology used. And it's the sense that you will, you'll take something that's kind of built up on the, the experience of hundreds, thousands of other organizations and millions of people, and you'll make a better thing of it for your use case. And what we spotted over the years has been that help and training resources were always really key to getting the most from technology. And so you could have these big, expensive implementation programs. But if you could put more of the skills development and the knowledge into the hands of the users and those people who are administering the system, etc., then you would have a bedrock of skills, a foundation, if you like, that could make the projects you do just sing and just be incredible investments. And so Trailhead was sort of set up to say, let's democratize this access to knowledge for our system. And we encourage you know many other organisations to do the same. To say there's no cost, in fact, to you going to find information and be inspired by it. So Trailhead is a gamified learning platform. It's not just about finding data, but it's being inspired to kind of keep going and to make it accessible to sort of anybody who could kind of then do a bit better with their Salesforce technologies and actually digital technologies broadly. And because they can do a bit better, the projects, as I said a minute ago, are better. And so you're building this foundation. And now, you know, nearly 10 years later, are sort of seeing this push and inspiration to try to take it to the next level. So because everybody should know how the system works, you're now saying, okay, well, how could it work? You're asking next questions, and I, which I love because, it, you know, it's the sort of why, why do we educate at all? It's so that we can ask the next question and make better decisions on what we know. And so that, yeah, Trailhead has been sort of set to be that. And then there are many other bits to it, but, you know, that kind of philosophy hopefully comes across. There's lots in there that that I want to unpack that I think Mm. people are starting to discover that becomes that multiplier effect. I think the first one's really powerful is that 
democratization. There was a time, wasn't there, that that training and skills and how to get the most of was that trade secret, that monetizable secret that you would put. That democratizing of it is powerful and, mm. and putting it in the hands of the user because, as you were saying later, it moves people from merely being able to implement into innovate, to think right. and create those next level questions. And then I love also, we all remember the old style learning, right? click here. They were PowerPoint presentations that you click through. <laughs> I'm really interested to see that you've got that gamified, that we're taking the best of what we're learning in other fields about how do we learn as humans and putting it in. And, you know, Salesforce being and thinking about a creator of skills is not what software providers used to be, is it really? It's a real shift in mindset. That shift in mindset is a powerful way to put it, I think. It is the sense that in order for the technology to be as good as it can be, you need those that are involved with it to be pushing you all the time. If you like, there's a customer centricity to this for an organization like Salesforce, who's just saying, if I can get my customers to be more knowledgeable and to give me the blessing of feedback on our system, we will get better at it. You know, we've got, um, what are we, 70,000 odd people today, lots of people who are working Salesforce technology, but they're not as inspiring or as amazing as the millions of trailblazers, we call them, out there that are using the system every day, feeding back on it. And so, you know, Trailhead and the programs um, that, do, that sort of democratize our access to um, the learning of, around this is is providing that cycle of feedback that's a blessing to the business, our business growth, to be honest, to be selfish about it. But also there's an aspiring different use cases. Obviously, you know, the last few years with our, the impact of COVID and everything was forcing us to digitize in all sorts of activities that were sort of taking forever. Now we needed that enablement to be there through. It does put an interesting thing on education for me, which is that if you suddenly say now all of the knowledge is open access, democratized, the negative, which is how do you manage to quality, you know, because paying for something manages quality to some extent. But the benefit, of course, is that, well, what is teaching now? And we start to sort of see that actually what our teachers, our instructors, in my case, need to be is excellent at pulling people into these spaces to get them to learn. And which I think is a great and sort of inspiring sort of future for teaching full stop is that forget that you're the access to a book or a, a piece of knowledge because you know it and you deliver it wrote to some the PowerPoint's deck, as your example, to somebody else. Now you've got to really sort of inspire people to want to look, to listen, to learn and so on, which is, is the critical thing that most teachers around the world are inspiring for, is their ability to kind of bring material to life and, and make it inspiring. But there shouldn't be any boundary to that knowledge. Um, but we do need to manage the quality. Okay, and I want to build that in, because I think that's something that our listeners can start to use in their company, whatever they're looking. Is that that shift of really viewing our customers, our users, our clients in a very different mindset. They are not someone just to keep happy and build sales. This is something that you're really moving it into where they become your innovators. And as such, you get that benefit of a happier customer, more satisfied customer. But there, this, this starts becoming an exponential R&D department if you get those relationships right. 
And are you seeing that? Are you feeling those benefits now of clients are coming up with ideas and innovating in ways that are surprising you internally? Yes, definitely. And um, I suppose it, it builds on it. So, you know, the examples were fewer at the beginning of our investments in Trailhead and building that community. And now it's sort of an inspiring um, set of activities and big, big ideas are coming from that. Still, of course, you get the incremental, I'd like my system to be better at this because I my specific use case needs it. But actually, it's the some of the bigger in innovations that you need. And COVID, at the beginning of COVID, we had never thought of Salesforce as a system that could help with vaccine rollouts, for example, or keeping people safe when they're returned into offices in a controlled way. And yet, very quickly, between our engineers and our customers and some new customers coming into this environment, to your exponential point, we're sort of coming, hang on, there's a role to be played to try and understand a person and the things that they connect with a vaccine at the right time, according to a schedule defined by a process that a government's defined. Ah, that's a process. Well, sales is a process. So you can suddenly, and service is a process, and you just change that process to adapt it to there. And suddenly we've sort of got technologies that have helped a number of health services around the world to sort of really evolve. And where does that come from? It comes from this community of connections. We call it, in my title, is ecosystem. And an ecosystem is often treated as the core organization, just our partner base, you know, the people. Whereas for Salesforce, it's our customers, our partners, ourselves, and then a ton of trailblazers who are independents or just interested parties who got engaged with what we talk about and learning with us and with Trailhead and, and some of the programs. It feeds itself, if you like, and keeps working and keeps moving. No, of course. And it, that's what you're saying. So I would say it's both those things. It's the quality control because you can't you, you can't go mad, but also the expectations because that opening it. Well, how about what about? You've got to think from a business systems way and what's scalable, what's sustainable, etc. Fantastic. Okay. I mean, I think it's something for, for our listeners to really go away and think about re-looking at how can we impact that capability, that capacity, that culture for our customers and try to move towards that from trainer to teacher, inspiring teacher, and then to build an ecosystem that becomes part of that R&D cycle that you've got. You and I have been in and around tech for a long time. We've seen a lot of things change, a lot of things go through. If if we do some future gazing, you know, our, our audience likes to hear from different places within tech what that viewpoint is. If you're looking at the future and some of the things we've been talking about, what worries you most or frustrates you most of what we see coming up on the horizon? Yes, I mean, it's a, it's a great question, right? and particularly right now, isn't it, with war in Ukraine still and all of these things in the world, it's a tough place. Um, and with economic worries, I think what worries me is that people will get more conservative as things become more risky, you know, um, particularly the economic concerns at the moment seem to be sort of creating an image of sort of, OK, we need to cut things that might be seen as as optional at this stage. And, and training and development and people that we've been talking about is one of those things that often is easy to see on a spreadsheet and then you remove it. But for me, that's, you just fundamentally put your business back years if you, if that's where you start in with these sorts of things. So that worries me because actually we need to be braver in these sorts of environments. We need to be truer to our values and our purpose as organizations and as ecosystems. Um, because the world will not get better if we're not. 
And but we need to be braver. We need to stay brave, if you like. And that that worries me that we might get more conservative and start to cut some of these more obvious things out rather than sort of embrace it. Because this is this is work that you can get on top of and it doesn't cost that much to do it, but it does take some time and effort. And it's that it, it but it requires that shift in mindset of what is the purpose of training and development? What do we get out of it? I think what's powerful in this in this space is to stop thinking about it as a cost and start thinking about it as an investment because it doesn't go away. If I'm upskilling my team, if I'm upskilling my clients, my users, that doesn't go away. So it, it's not a cost. It's actually an investment that we want to be instead looking at how do we get the most from that investment. All right. And I'd like to end on a positive. So that's what worried you. I like that you still made it sound kind of positive by the end. Looking at that same horizon, is there anything that you see coming up on the horizon that you're excited about, that you that, that, that fills you with some, some enthusiasm and excitement? Absolutely. I mean, I think the more we work with different communities of people all over the world and the more that we see that as you embrace learning and development as a way of life for continual learning as you embrace diversity and you welcome more people in the more powerful ideas come from that and just that, that there is more and more coming from it so while the concerns of sort of people being too cautious for example we're also seeing that just there's this ability to take the capacity and the different capabilities that are showing up and and inspire different and new ideas and that really is inspiring and, and I honestly go through most weeks of the year I've met somebody new who's from a different path in life sort of being displaced for example and but bringing something and when they've got a chance and they've come into a community wow you know it goes to a different place so i think it's it's in the people on the technology side and the, the technologies are moving so much faster and i think that we're being more intentional certainly salesforce is being more intentional about how these technologies are built to, to sort of think about some of the negatives that are coming out and i think broadly we are getting better about being intentional about how our technologies can help society and communities be better places to be well those things are happening so fast that if you combine this sense of new people coming in who've got new ideas with the pace of technology and you embrace the positivity of it, then I think we can manage through this, the risks and um, take those chances. But you do need to continue to learn and be willing to move fast, fixing things and moving things from learning from those things that may have not gone quite so well. And I think, you know, one of my favorite phrases that I always go back to is Churchill's never waste a good crisis. And we've not been short of crises over the last few years. But if, if you as a company, as you're suggesting, if we're bringing that braveness, if we're bringing that intentional quality, we're investing in people, this is where great innovation can come. This is where the great leaps come through. And I think even greater leaps because it's constrained by the crisis. It makes us really focus on what's vital, what's important we can build through there. Listen, I really appreciate, I know how busy things are for you, Stuart. I really appreciate you joining us on, on this episode. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. It's been great talking to you, Debbie. Some insightful questions. I always love the, the answers and so go through those. It's amazing what you pull out in, the, in these conversations, isn't it? This is what I love doing the podcast. It's my sneaky little glimpse behind every curtain, etc. So I, I love learning on that piece. So thank you. We'll probably have you back again some other time. Stuart, thank you so much again. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you're a tech innovator and would like to appear as a guest on the show, email us now at xtech at fox.agency. And finally, thank you to the team of experts at Fox Agency who make this podcast happen. I'm Debbie Forster, and you've been listening to the X-Tech Podcast.
keep exploring the world of tech. Subscribe to our podcast and never miss an episode. To discover more opportunities for global B2B tech brands, visit fox.agency today.